This morning I got dressed, put a shirt upon my chest, and I googled the address for the podcast. I headed from the west, and Charlie was the best. I was blessed to be his guest on Composer Quest. Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host, Charlie McCarran, a Minneapolis composer. And I started this show because I wanted to share insights from other composers and songwriters about how they make music. You can check out all the interviews at ComposerQuest.com. In this episode, I get to talk a little movie scoring with local filmmaker here in the Twin Cities, Elliot DeVinney. Elliot doesn't have a composition degree or anything, but he taught himself to compose music for his films just by practicing banging on the keyboard, as he puts it. So it was really fun talking to Elliot about movie scores, and I figured we could do a little bit of film score trivia. Throughout the episode, these answers will be revealed in our conversation. So first question. The movie Die Hard uses music from what other blockbuster movie soundtrack? Next question. What 2012 film score was partially composed before the shooting even began? And true or false, an original score was composed for 2001 A Space Odyssey. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Elliot DeVinney. Well, Elliot, thanks for joining me here. Thanks for having me. I was just uh, mentioning how nice it is to be a guest on somebody else's podcast for a change. Yeah. Not having to be an engineer or a producer or anything. So I'm just, I'm just chilling. This is great. Yeah. Well, your podcast, Stream of Subconsciousness? A Stream of Consciousness. Stream of Consciousness. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What made you want to do that? I got really into um, like Adam Carolla's podcast and Joe Rogan's podcast and just the notion of being able to talk and connect with your audience without having to go through a studio or without having to have funding or anything like that. And also the idea of not being censored, where you could just say whatever you want, you could swear. And so uh, a friend of mine, Sean Dunbar, and I just started that one night. He and I just kind of winged it, and it was so easy. Like, you know, we thought it would be a lot of work, but we just talked. We both like music and movies and things like this, so we had plenty to talk about. And then eventually started structuring it, and we had guests on and um, would try and pull people from the film community and just pick their brains a little bit, have a beer. Have you learned some stuff about the creative process on these podcast episodes? It's, uh, it's just everyone's got a different way of going about it. I mean, it, it, we did learn that most actors or, or crew or creative people are generally happy and excited to be there, and they love to get together and collaborate and work on projects. Mm-hmm. I feel like the film world forces you to find people yes versus you can make music in your bedroom that's exactly right um i mean that is one thing i like about music is i do it on my own on my own time i don't have to worry about scheduling or coordinating anything and also there's no one relying on me whereas when you're on a film set you're having to make decisions and people are waiting on your instruction so that can be stressful oftentimes but when you're at home it's just you work until either you have to go to bed or you don't want to work anymore and then you pick it up the next day so i like music for that reason that it you can kind of go at your own pace mm-hmm. well so you have a pretty extensive film background and what we'll get to that a yes. little bit um but your music background what 
is that? Like? Yeah, so um, I when I was young, I was in uh, a wee lad. I was in piano lessons and took those for many years. And I played Mozart in a school play and things like this <laughs> and would do little recitals. But I stopped doing it because I didn't really enjoy it at that time. It felt like work. It felt like something I had to do. And then got to college and it all kind of came back because I took a music class. Actually, it was when GarageBand came out and you could just start doing the stuff at home by yourself. So in college, I got involved in a couple classes where I was writing songs for the class. Like that was the curriculum. It nice. Was, yeah, it was like sort <laughs> of a study session with a professor where you would just sit in his office and record music. Just as long as you were working on something, wow. you, you got an A. So that was amazing. And then, yeah, the movie side of it, too, where we started to need music that wasn't ours. Because with the movies, we always used to plug in Star Wars music or Back to the Future. And then just that would be the background music for our movie. But when we got to a level where it's, hey, let's try and sell this movie, then you can't have anybody else's music. And then suddenly there was a need for all of this score. And I remember on my first film, I thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to see if I can do it. And uh, was was really happy with the whole process, so I continued to do it. And now I score pretty much everything that I do uh, film-related. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of filmmakers out there who want to be able to make their own scores. Like yes. They can do everything yes. except the scoring because right. they feel like maybe you need a degree or something. Mm-hmm. But You don't, though. It's. I mean, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's really just experimentation and time you have to put in the time at the keyboard playing around until you you hear something that you like and then you kind of follow that and that's all it is for me i don't really know i'm not the best at at knowing um keys or chords or scales or anything like that any music theory i don't really know very well but i know that when i hit two chords you know that contrast creates a feeling a mood and then it's just kind of tracking that down so Oftentimes when I'm scoring something, I'll literally just bang on the keyboard until I hear something that makes sense. And then I'll kind of follow that and switch instruments and do it again. And I just build up the entire score that way. Everybody can do this. You don't have to have a degree or be particularly talented. You just have to be patient and have time and a keyboard. Yeah. You have to know what mood you want that music to have in your movie, sort of what the purpose of the music is. And once you know kind of what you're looking for, you just experiment with chords until you find it. Yeah. That's kind of how I do it anyway. When you're going through a, one of your films and trying to decide where to place music, yes, how do you decide where to place it? Usually it's it's with playing around with other people's music. I'll edit the movie and then put in a temp score. So I'll pull, you know, famous music just to see if a scene works. You know, you get timing down and things like that and where accents should go. And then you sort of fall in love with a, a version of the movie that has that. I'll just go back then and kind of do my take on what that score was. And usually it ends up different enough that it doesn't feel like a ripoff, but... They're pretty much homages, you know, every every score track I do. Because yeah. it's very specific to the timing of what's happening on screen. When you see it enough times with, like, we use the score from Aliens a lot, you'll see which parts of the music match up, and 
I guess you'll kind of instinctively know why, you know, why that big brass hit works in that moment. And then you just kind of replicate that with your own style. Cool. So I don't want, I mean, it's almost like plagiarism in a way. That reminds me of one of the most famous examples of temp music. Maybe you've heard of this in 2001, Space Odyssey. Uh, Keep going. I don't know. They had... uh, Stanley Kubrick yep. had put the pieces in there that are in the final film. Yeah. You know, thus, thus spake, thus, thus. I'm never even going to say that title. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about <laughs> but, it. But, you know. Yeah. Bum, bum, yeah. Bum. So he had these um, pieces in there, and then they were like, well, we now have to replicate this with the right. film score. And so yeah. they hired a composer, and I, I'm not remembering his name, but he created a whole score based on the, that music. Yeah. And Kubrick was like, oh, we're not going to use this. Wow, so no, they, I haven't heard this story. Yeah. That's interesting. So they have the whole album, or the, the whole soundtrack wow. out there. I got to listen to that. Yeah. It must be, must be good. It's, it's, it, well, it's it's not as good, I don't really? think. Really? Okay, because, that's the one they used, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, feels a little bit like a knockoff. Like, oh, sure, you yeah. You could... You could enjoy it on its own if you didn't know what right. the real music was. Right, yeah, but when compared side by side to the other one. Yeah. Fails. Yep. But yeah, it's um, so actually one of the themes from Aliens that we use a lot ended up in Die Hard. When the, what's the terrorist shows up at the end and uh, points the gun at our hero cop. It's the same theme from Aliens. And obviously they had put it in there as a temp theme or just at the last minute. I don't know what the story is, but it's the same song in both. You know, these are huge blockbuster movies that yeah you fall in love with the temp score and it ends up in that happens occasionally if you can afford it you know not on our level we can't afford it yeah unfortunately knowing that i could do all of the music for absolutely free and just take that money out of the budget and make the movie that much cheaper that was another driving point where it's like you just you have to do the music you know that we can't afford to pay anybody so (laughs) because i i essentially i do all the jobs for free when i do a movie and my theory is, of all the people we can get to do it for free, I'm the best. <laughs> you know, I'm the best free musician out there. Um, nice. But until we're willing to spend money, then we can get somebody way better. Well, we have a fan question for you that relates. Oh, Actually, really? Wow, okay. Jason Schumacher is okay. wondering if you have considered doing other films, yeah. scoring other films. Absolutely. And like I said, I like when people want me to come out and film, for example that costs money that's you know that's gas and i gotta there's maintenance and cards and hard drive space and all this kind of stuff all these fees associated with it so you can't really do that stuff without getting paid really well but to do a score i can keep my costs very low because it's me sitting in my parents basement um you know banging on a keyboard uh half drunk at four in the morning um but yeah i i and especially now that i'm I'm going to slow down on the movie making just because it's so involving and so expensive and I'm kind of tapped out financially. But music, I think I will continue to do just because it doesn't take as much. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would like to score some other people's stuff and I think that's maybe what I'll start doing. What kind of music would you make outside of the film world? Oh, boy, I don't know. That's the one thing I really liked about the last movie we did, Problem Solving the Republic, was a musical which allowed the opportunity to still be creating music 
but it also involved writing lyrics and making rhymes and poetry and jokes and telling a story. So I really like that format because there's so much that goes into it. Because I can't write songs to be taken seriously. If there's lyrics involved and singing involved, it almost has to be funny or over the top. Jason sent me a few fan questions. Oh my goodness, actually. Jason. He's wondering Flatter. why your movie was dedicated to Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of the biggest influences in my world, both having to do with music and having to do with film. That one in particular was dedicated to them because it was sort of formatted after Team America, kind of in the style and the attitude and... Uh, they have a unique way of not getting their hands dirty with politics, yet making fun of everyone. And so we we tried to adopt that for our project. Have you seen Six Days to Air? Yes. That's a really I've good documentary. I've seen it about 20 about... times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen, they go through the creative week of Trey and Matt in making a South Park episode. Yes. And it's like the fastest turnaround of any animation yeah. They said like eight months to do an episode of The Simpsons or Family Guy, something like that. And <laughs> South Park is six days. <laughs> That's crazy. But the thing, yeah, the thing that I really like about those two guys is they're in their, I think they're in their 40s now, and they still don't take anything too seriously. You know, they're the ones that showed up to the Academy Awards in, in dresses. Um, yeah. And that's very important to not get too big of an ego or not to take any of this too seriously. And so I like that attitude where you're... You're just kind of shaking everything up a little bit. So Problem Solving the Republic, yes, sir. maybe you could explain that a little bit. Sure. Uh, so my brother and I, in wanting to do something like South Park, we decided to do a satire of politics in general. So it's just kind of a big and silly and funny and colorful musical. It just became about taking issues and doing parodies or mimics you know, them in various ways and then put a musical number in and everybody dances and that's kind of the end of it. Living on welfare Why won't the others pay their fair share? I don't know! It's because they simply don't care. Oh. We rushed into production and we filmed it last March and then we had it out in October just before the election. Our production time was essentially half what it usually is on a feature film. We had only a matter of months to do everything. You know, the filming, record the songs, edit, color correction, uh, market, all that sort of stuff. And we just raced through it. Almost everything was immediate and it was on instinct. There was no time to like second guess or is this too offensive or is this working? It was just go with it. And I think that's very much why South Park has been a success because they just pick an idea and they go with it. How'd you come up with the songs for that musical? It started out as a series of emails between my brother and me. He lives in Chicago. I live here. And it was just, you know, wouldn't it be funny if we had a scene where they were hiring sidekicks and then the government steps in and tells them who to hire. And it just started out, wouldn't this be funny? Wouldn't this be funny? And we just had blocked off very broad ideas of what the musical numbers should be. Like, and we went and wrote the script and there would be sort of a one sentence description about what the song is. Once we had the script done and had casted everybody and had our shooting location, then I just 
raced through and made songs. It was like one night to do, okay, I got to write this Bollywood song because we have this Bollywood scene. And so I'd sit down at my computer and my garage band and pull up the, you know, the MIDI bundles I have. And I would look for instruments that sounded like they were coming from India. And I would just pick one and then I would play around with it on the keyboard and eventually layer it until it sounded like a big song. It was mainly deadlines, you know, what motivated all the work on that movie. It wasn't, okay, let's do a fun Bollywood song. It's, I got to get a Bollywood song done tonight. I remember hearing you talking on your podcast about your creative schedule sure. versus your work schedule. Yes. How do you split those up? It's difficult right now. I have a second job. So I'm, I work at a liquor store and I wait tables in Uptown. And I have a girlfriend now, which is also uh, time-consuming in a good way. Hi, Renee. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so the, the time I have left for creative stuff has been very low lately. And that's always how I approach it. It's just, it always started out with free time. It was something to do. It was a hobby. And now it's like oftentimes the decision will be between working on a song or getting four hours of sleep, you know, five hours of sleep, just because I'm burning the candle at both ends so much. So I haven't had a ton of time to do anything creative, really. And we've been trying to, my brother and I are working on some new scripts for features that we'd like to make. One of them is a musical, very much inspired by Book of Mormon, more so a traditional musical. So we want to go back and study a lot of the classics, which I haven't seen, and kind of study what musical conventions are out there and exist and either do those or make fun of them because my knowledge of musicals is very limited. It's pretty much what's been in South Park. Yeah, we want to do a, a full musical. I think there's maybe a Kung Fu action movie in me somewhere. And then uh, we're also in talks about doing a marijuana comedy thriller. So there are a few <laughs> ideas out there, but we're kind of on hiatus trying to figure out the financial stability of my film company just because we've done three movies and we've lost a bunch of money on all of them granted we're still looking for distribution and hopefully there'll be some money coming in eventually but uh i'm buried in debt and just trying to like figure out how to get out of debt and i don't think making another movie on credit cards is the best way to go about it it's proven very difficult to make money doing film related stuff unless it's like dry corporate stuff that you wouldn't want to do anyway um, you know, I want to do stuff that's fun. Cause have we've you thought just, about going the crowdsourcing route. We have, we tried that, um, a few times and have never really had luck with it. Um, it just always ends up being, um, donations from friends and family and stuff. And I always, I always feel bad about that. And it's never a whole lot of money raised, not enough to put a project like this together, you know, cause I think just on the, on the low end, we would need a hundred thousand dollars to make another movie. That's paying everyone a decent wage. That's me getting paid minimum wage (laughs) uh, and then paying everybody else, I don't know, 50 bucks a day or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what to do now. But Mm -hmm. I would like to keep making movies as long as it's not on my credit card. Yeah. (laughs) What have you learned about sound in making films? Sound is very important in making movies, more so than the picture, I would argue, an audience will forgive a bad shot or bad lighting or being out of focus, whatever. But if the audio is bad, if you can't hear what the characters are saying, if there's a 
air conditioner or a refrigerator running in the background or traffic noise, it instantly pulls you out of the scene as a viewer, which is I didn't understand that until doing a movie in which we didn't really put a lot into the sound. It was just we had a boom there and we would kind of point it at the action. After that, we started hiring professional sound guys with lavaliers and then they would have booms and we would do ADR if we needed to. I mean, if you look at like Blair Witch, you know, Blair Witch was oftentimes shaky and out of focus, but the audio was good. You could always hear what they were saying. You could always understand them. Hmm. So it's... Uh, so they had a budget for audio or yeah, just... Yeah, I mean, I can't remember it was... I, it must have been wireless mics. I don't know how they got... And it's not the best audio, but you can, you know, you can hear the characters. I did sound mix on my first movie, Paper Mache, and it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> It's not at all like editing or putting picture together, which is, that's oftentimes fun and, uh, you know, you can experiment with different things. But sound, there's like a very specific way to go about it because people have been conditioned to hear a movie a certain way. And and if you alter that at all, it pulls them out of it. Well, do you have some general film composing tips for people? Yeah, like I said, um, temp tracks are very helpful because that can give you a good direction and a good idea of where to go. Because it's weird scoring things that don't have... Like, I'm doing now a short film, and I got the gig by... I had to score a one-minute scene, and all I got was the scene, no temp track, not knowing anything about the movie. And it's amazing, like, how much score can affect the mood. So, yeah, temp tracks are helpful, and, and you can find the groove that way. And then, like I said, it's about experimenting and layers are very important you know that's you don't have to have all the layers sounding very good like i use a lot of midi instruments so it's you know you get a bad sounding violin or something but if you layer 50 instruments you can create a a big full mix and you know those bad instruments won't be as identifiable these are kind of low budget composing tips hey no that's that works but yeah, and then the other thing too is just finding the right tempo. And that oftentimes has to do with that'll match the temp track. That's the one thing I'm really looking for when I put a temp track is is the pacing right. Because once you have the pacing, you can set your garage band or Pro Tools, whatever session at that tempo, and then everything becomes a lot easier. Because again, that limits you. You know, Then you have certain accents falling on certain beats, and that can really dictate what you do the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. I think in the future I would really like to do the editing and the music together because if it's something where I already have the music, I, I definitely like to edit to the music. And the one thing I would like to experiment with, I heard about on uh, the movie Cloud Atlas, they had the music written and recorded before they filmed the movie or a good oh. chunk of it. So they would play the score on set and then the actors could respond to it and they could get a feeling for how the camera could move and things like this. So... I had never even thought of that before, but uh, it's certainly something I would like to try out. Was it like scenes without dialogue? Well, one of the, so there's three directors. It's the Wachowski, they're siblings now. One of them had a sex change. And then it's the dude that did uh, Run, Lola Run. He's Mm -hmm. one of the composers. So I think he comes to the directing table already with music in mind. In terms of how they did it, I think they would just have it on set while they're rehearsing. And, you know, while they're designing sets and building costumes and things like that to have a score guiding all those different departments it was just sort of a reference for what the movie should feel like 
Hmm. But yeah, I'd never heard of anybody doing that before. Because music, music is always something that just it's like a an afterthought. You know, once the movie's been assembled, but also it has a great impact on what the final project is, and especially yeah. in scenes where there's not dialogue going on. You know, music can absolutely help guide the viewer in terms of how to view the scene. Yeah, I remember in college I did a presentation about Run Lola Run actually. Mm where I used a scene of her running and put a few different tracks over it. Yes. And it's amazing. Like, it's oh, yeah. kind of a neutral scene of just her running. But right. You could totally interpret it as yeah. different things. Absolutely. Like, That's the same thing, too. I've seen a lot on the internet, the Benny Hill theme being placed into horrific videos or, like, really <laughs> violent videos and, like, the weird math that goes on in your brain when you hear that. You, when you hear that Benny Hill theme, you can't help but smile. So it's weird when you hear that music coupled with a visual of public service announcements that are meant to scare you about like the dangers of oil fires or something like that. You know, like they'll show some violent thing going on and the Benny Hill theme will be played in the background and it's such a unique experience. But it is like the music, in, I think is in that instance, is stronger than the visual. Mm-hmm. The music guides you more in terms of how to feel than the picture does. Have you seen the Shreds videos? No. Like... Oh, those are great. It's the like shreds? Is that a shreds, band? No, like um, Creed Shreds. Or, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It just reminded me of that. They take the concert footage from these bands, and they play their own tracks over them. Oh. And, and they're just really horrible. Yes. And makes the band look yes, totally Yes, yes, I have crappy. seen that. It was, I've seen, in fact, a Nickelback one, I believe. Oh, nice. the exact one I saw. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're out of tune and like... Yeah. But it still matches up. Like, yeah. right? it's not like it's not like the video's off. Um, the other thing too is bad lip reading. Have you seen any of those where they'll take yeah. a, a politician yeah. <laughs> and exactly mimic what their mouth is doing, but the words will be completely different? Yeah. Well, Elliot, I think uh, we good. Think, yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. It's been really fun talking. Yeah, to you. yeah. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. I'm yeah. happy to see other podcasters out there. Yeah, because it is a fun medium. If people want to check out your movies, yeah, your music. Um, just, uh, man, the music's not really available. I should do that. I should put a site together or something. Um, anyway, Divini Pictures is my failing film company, www.divini, D-I-V-I-N-E-Y, which is my last name, and then pictures.com. You can find all the projects there. And then, uh, yeah, I will try and get a some sort of music demo. Is there a good site for that? Like, I know MySpace you can kind of have. A yeah. few tracks that uh, people can play. Bandcamp is my Band favorite. Bandcamp. Okay. They let you have your album up for free or oh, very cool. For pay what you want or oh, really? Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, Elliot. Yes. For being here. Yeah. Oh, handshake. Handshake. Why yeah, we'll, we'll make it official. Yeah. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Composer Quest with Elliot Divini. And the answers to our trivia, if you didn't catch them in the episode. The movie Die Hard uses music from what other blockbuster movie soundtrack? And that is Aliens. Also acceptable, the 1987 French and Italian film Man on Fire. What 2012 film score was partially composed before the shooting even began? That's Cloud Atlas. True or false, an original score was composed for 2001 A Space Odyssey? That's kind of a trick question. It's true that there was a score composed by Alex North, but it was abandoned before the final cut of the movie. And apparently the composer, Alex North, didn't know his score was being thrown away, 
until he saw the first screening of 2001. So, Kubrick, kind of a jerk, but he made a good movie, so I guess I can't blame him. Before you go, just a little reminder here to mark your calendars for the first ever Composer Quest concert here in Minneapolis at Yoga Soul on Saturday, May 11th at 8 p.m. Visit facebook.com slash composerquest for the event details. And if you're not in Minnesota, you can join us online at composerquest.com. I'll have a live web stream up starting at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, May 11th. Hope to see you there. And cut. All right, sweet. And, oh, actually not cut yet. Yeah. Because on this show, yeah. I always ask our guests to come up with an intro theme for the podcast episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, like right now? Like right now, <laughs> if you're up for it. Uh, okay, let me bring these mics over to the piano here. You you want to like record the process? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thirty seconds or something? Yeah. This is what I do. I just hit chords. a rhyming dictionary see this is the second part of my process is now i go to a rhyming dictionary and i find some good rhymes this morning i got dressed put a shirt upon my chest and i googled the address for the podcast i headed from the west and charlie was the best Blessed to be his guest on Compose.